Welcome to the world's premier Black Crows podcast. State of America. Hosted by two of the band's most dedicated fans, David Hudson and Ian Rice. And now, let's get the show on the road. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of State of America. I am one of your hosts, Ian Rice, and with me, as always, is my good buddy, David Hudson. David, how you doing? I am well, Ian. How goes it? Not bad, not bad. Just uh, hanging out, getting through it. I'm glad we were able to get together tonight and uh, do this. It's an uh, exciting topic tonight. We're going to discuss our uh, favorite B-sides. The Black Crows are a band that are notorious for leaving some of their best stuff uh, on the cutting room floor or uh, tacked on to some obscure single somewhere. And uh, it's 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 always been odd to me some of the choices they make. And uh, you know you could have uh, you know uh, debates till the end of time with some uh, like-minded fans about uh, oh this one should have been on this album instead of this and vice versa. But uh, it's uh, they have such a wealth of material it's uh, it's unbelievable. I'm I'm sure you feel the same way. Yeah, they're the, they're a band one of three that I can think of off the top of my head that are just very prolific with their B sides, uh, them, Oasis, and Radiohead. And it seems with all three of those bands, if you're a fan of the band, uh, you know all those um, you know all those B sides. I was at uh, a uh, rock and podcast convention in Nashville last month and ran into a guy there that's a big Oasis fan, and I am as well. And we just started talking about all these you know obscure b-sides and the crows are one of those bands that are like that it really makes you wonder how some of their stuff wound up on the cutting room floor and some other stuff got on records that's um that's one of the questions if we ever get uh steve or chris or uh, rich on here i would like to find out like what was the thought process on certain songs not getting on certain albums um because they have two to three CDs worth of material that is quality enough to be on uh, uh, albums. Don't you think? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, not only are there the B sides, but there's the unreleased sessions, the songs that, you know, never really saw the light of day. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest with you from time to time over the years, somebody will, will shoot me a couple of files of things I've never heard before, you know, and I'm, you know, I'm pretty well invested in this band. So, you know, it's, it's crazy. I mean, the amount of stuff that never, has seen the light of day or has barely seen the light of day. I mean, there's a there's a box set waiting to happen there, but that's a whole other discussion, you know. And is like I think we said on here before, I would pay four to five hundred dollars for it. A uh, complete box set of all released and unreleased material. Oh yeah, I mean, I see, I see, uh, you know, like uh, Gene Simmons honking his, uh, uh, you know, Kiss big you know, vault sets. And I said, who would pay that money? But then I, in my head, I go, well, if it was black crow stuff, I'd, I'd easily lay out that cash. But, so. but the only difference is the black crow stuff would be worth it. And the kiss stuff wouldn't. Yeah. Uh, the only thing I've heard so far worth it on that kiss vault thing is all the, uh, demos he did with Van Halen. That'd be the only thing I'd be interested in really. But well, th- through my other podcast, I, I have met a lot of other podcasters that, uh, are big kiss fans. And I kind of give them a hard time sometimes, but they, uh, Several of them have done that vault experience and said it was actually really cool. Like you don't get herded through a line and, you know, kind of like these meet and greets where you get to talk to them for 30 seconds. I think he spends a decent amount of time with each person and um, 
everybody that I've known that's gotten that vault has refused to let anybody else copy it or hear it uh, for the most part, because I think that's one of the reasons he did it. He said, if you spend $2,000, you're not going to, you don't want somebody that didn't pay that money to get to hear that. Yeah. I mean, and that, and you know, the, uh, the people buying that are the, uh, the, the cream of the crop of their fans, I'm sure. And, uh, you know, those people much like a lot of, you know, black crows people or any, anybody that's seriously invested in a band, uh, you know, they don't want to do a disservice to the band. So they keep it honest and they, they keep it legit. There's a lot of comparisons between some of the black crows fans and kiss fans. Um, in that, Everybody likes them so much, but there's a decent portion that are going to be critical. I always thought, I mean, if I ever, you know, we ever got rich on here, I would, I'd like to ask him like his thoughts on that. But at this, I, I kind of feel like though his response might be, if they get that angry over something we've done, it means that something we did probably meant something to people. You know, you don't get, you don't get angry over a Nickelback album. No, certainly you know, not. Sorry if you're a Nickelback well, I, fan I, listening <laughs> to this. I do just because it's simply uh, it's been released. I get angry about it. Never right. back up that way, but, but you, know, you, you know what I mean. Like it, it, yeah, no, it's I know, I got you. It means something to you, and I think some of the stuff with the crows, the way the 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 there's kind of almost two camps now. Um, I, I think the reason a lot of fans take it so personal is because when when they were together, their music meant so much to them. It's definitely music that. Uh, that really resonates with people strongly. And that's why, you know, over the years, you know, and I, I've, been, I've fallen victim to it. You get in a message board or a Facebook page or what have you, and you start back and forth with somebody. But really, at the end of the day, they feel the same way you do, just the opposite opinion. So you really can't fault somebody for that, you know. And I'm sure I'm sure today we're going to get some people mad with some of our B-side picks, but that's okay. Oh, man, you you certainly are. Because you, you always give me a preview of your list, so... Uh, you know, uh, yeah, it's gonna, and I, 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 you know, I actually have, uh, one of the same tracks as you, and I think one from the same era too. So, you know, I'm not, uh, opposed, but yeah, some people are going to, uh, Ooh, it's going to be rough, David. You're a stronger I, man than me. I can take it. I can take <laughs> Hey, at least I'm not talking about sleepy heads. Yes. Although I, I will say, oh, here uh, it goes. since since <laughs> since this is the, uh, B-Sides episode, I can talk about that song for a minute. I don't. I'm not saying it's in my top ten, but I don't dislike that as much as everybody else does. Uh, you know, it is it is what it is. I mean, you want to talk, uh, you know, the lick and dance mix? Maybe we're onto something. But at least Sleepyheads is a song. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, yeah. I guess technically, there's music being played and, and lyrics. I tell you what, I did on mine though. I, the reason some of mine are going to shake out the way they are, I didn't want to use any that were on the Lost Crows or that were on, to my knowledge, on any of the reissues as bonus tracks. I tried mm. strictly to go with ones that at some point were a um, a B-side or were not released in any form, and there's not you know really an official version out there. These are certainly not my top five. They are, these are five of my favorite, because like we've said, this is something we're going to revisit numerous times. Uh, oh, yeah. And so um, the era that I got kind of sucked into people will figure that one out in a minute. Um, I just, uh, I really like those songs, but yeah. So kind of what was your process in, in picking your five? Yeah, it's funny, you know, usually we kind of, um, beforehand kind of lay down some ground rules and this time we kind of just said, all right, let's five and go. I kind of stuck to the same, uh, principles you did. I tried to stick away from, uh, the band sessions or, you know, uh, tall sessions, you know, the lowest crow stuff 
or anything that wasn't on some kind of release. I think I might have thrown in one that might just be on one of the reissues as it a bonus track. Yeah. Yeah. I can't, it's, you know what? I get a little fuzzy on these after a while. So, uh, but, uh, I, I, you know, I tried to, uh, I tried to think of the ones that I, I constantly go back to. And, uh, so, um, I, we might as well just, uh, you know, jump right into it. Um, I guess, uh, I'll take the first one if you, uh, okay. if you, uh, if you don't mind. The number one on my list, and I think this actually is my favorite of all their B-sides, to be perfectly honest, uh, is uh, Darling of the Underground Press, which was, I believe, first came out as a B-side uh, to Remedy. It um, it's such a great track. It, it I always, when making my own, uh, you know, discs for the car. I still do that. I still listen to CDs, man. But uh, I always take off. Time will tell and slip in, darling, on the underground press for my uh, Southern Harmony. So uh, I I, uh, I think that's a great tune. And I, I, the few times I've heard it in concert, I really uh, that was a gem for me. You know. All right. So we're gonna we're gonna start off on different different paths. Um, that is one of the ones in the crows canon that I never have understood why people like it so much. Um, there was a, recently a thread on Amorca three and it was entitled your unpopular, um, black crows opinions. And it was things, you know, like, you know, it was people just kind of saying like, I'm not really that big a fan of Amorica or something like, you know, just stuff like that. Right. And, <laughs> this would be kind of one of mine. Like, I really don't see what other people see in it. And it's one of those things, like I kind of go back and say to myself, am I just not listening to it correctly? Because all these people whose opinion I really respect musically, I'm not getting it. I got, I mean, I can understand that. Actually the song for me uh, years ago, when I first started listening to stuff, um, the intro to it would kind of throw me off because it's a slow start to get to the, to the track. So, but the track itself, I don't know, it just has this like this groove to it that's very laid back. Uh, Steve's playing some great stuff on it. I, you know, more basic, but really he's in in the pocket there. I don't know. It just. Uh, but that was the the B side to Remedy. So yes, yeah. So it would have. That's one that would have gotten out there because that was still at a time when the Casingle was kind of yep. still a thing, and then it was on there. What did they call the? Um, the CDs was it like a maxi CD or something like that. that yeah, could, it was like a you know maxi CD. Yeah, yeah. kind of like a, a CD. So, with that song being so popular, it was definitely out there. And like you said, they've played it in basic one form or another in basically every incarnation of the band. 
they obviously enjoy the song. You wonder, I say, I like Time Will Tell. Time Will Tell. I like that song, and I think it serves a great purpose on that album. Like, I feel like that second side is so heavy and just so pedal to the metal that you need something to like at after my morning. I mean, after my morning song, just to bring you down and chill you out. Um, and Darling and Under Unpressed could possibly do that, but uh, yeah, I, I always get mad when people get upset with the Bob Marley cover, but. Um, Hey, Darling of the Underground Press, I am clearly in the minority on that one. So uh, I'm sure I'm going to get some hate tweets. Uh, <laughs> how dare you not like that? Hey, it's just it's just my taste. You know, I tell you, man, Like, um, I don't dislike Time Will Tell. My, I, I, I like it um, both with the Crows and then also Magpie Salute did it on, on uh, their, live, their first live record. And um, it's a great cover and they do it nicely and they do a nice tribute to it my only thing was i always would swap that one out because then it made it all original material and i kind of like that idea for some reason you know i can see that but uh you know next up on my list um is uh, a track from and i i i'm not 100 percent sure if this ever came out as a b-side or if this was uh, solely just on the bonus track version of three snakes but it was uh just say you're sorry They actually played it. There was a uh, it circulates as a bootleg, um, but it was actually a, a radio. It was the premiere of Three Snakes, and they did the coolest thing. I, I honestly can't I can't think of anything cooler. They did a live performance for the premiere of Three Snakes on radio, and they played I think no songs that were on the album. They did all like the B sides. I thought that was the greatest thing. It's like hey, we got this record coming out. Here's no songs that are on it. You know, <laughs> that's the most Black Crows thing ever. I know. <laughs> So, but I, I mean, that song kind of, I feel like, goes by the wayside with a lot of people. And it's so out of character for everything else that's on Three Snakes, honestly. That's why it it's not on there. Yeah, I mean, but I just thought I thought it was a great, straightforward rock song. Mark does some cool stuff on there. And live, it was really, uh, you know, the few times that I've heard it live, not in person, but, you know, on, on tapes and such. I, it just always went over well. So, I don't know. What's your thoughts on that one? I'm in total agreement with you. It was on the it was on my list and I I left it off I don't know why I left it picked something over it but yeah it's on I'm looking at uh it's on the reissue of of Three Snakes and you're right it could not have gone on there it would have totally thrown that album out of out of whack if you ask me because it's just doesn't fit in any part in that album but 
you put that on by your side, take, uh, go tell the congregation off, add that in there. And then with some of the stuff I'm going to add in there and you have a totally different album, that song would fit perfectly on by your side. You know, I never thought of it, but yeah, that's a, that's a very fair point. It almost is like, here's a preview of what we're doing next. You know? well, if but, you would have uh, played that song for me and I did not know when it was recorded or what album it was on, and you asked me when it was recorded, I would have said by your side sessions, which absolutely musically it sounds like that but i also think the stuff that ended up on the uh as the bonus tracks on that you know first on the show enough box set and then individually they were released also i think that stuff was either remixed or or something you know tweaked a bit by kevin shirley who had a huge hand in by your side obviously so that might have contributed to that too yeah they haven't played that very much have they no not really uh you know very i think only around the time of three snakes you know but um, but speaking of by your side, my next uh, my next pick was a uh, a castaway from that album. It's uh, um, a track called "You Don't Have to Go," which I think takes its bare bones from a track that was circulating on called uh, "Pastoral," if I'm not mistaken. You're 100 correct. I love that track, and I, I like the way Chris sings the lyrics. It's just a, it's a, I guess a little more in a poppy vein, really. I, I could have seen it going over big on the radio, to be honest with you. Uh, I had this on my list, and Ed Harsh adds so much to the playing on this. Yes, and you're right. It's vocal phrasing and 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 singing in a way that Chris normally doesn't do. It hasn't done in his solo stuff either. Uh, and that's one of the things that drew me to it. And it was just kind of a upbeat, happy song. Um, you know, a lot of times some of their stuff can be kind of serious. They don't have just a lot of a lot of like just kind of upbeat, happy songs. And I really like it. And in my opinion, you take "Go Faster" off of uh, "By Your Side" and put this on there. That could work. I, there are so many situations where you could say, "Take this by your side, B side, swap it for this one," and you know. Um... But in this case, this this definitely, I, I 100% agree with you, should have been on there. Yeah, even as an opener, would have been great. I mean, uh, Ed's doing some great organ stuff on there. And then also he's doing some, it's like the bridge bit just before the, the chorus. Some kind of, I don't know, it sounds like an accordion or something. I don't even know what he's playing. But it just it's these little things that he does that add to it so perfectly. Such a great tune. There aren't many Crow songs that sound like this. No, not at all. And, you know, perhaps why... That's why that uh, didn't make the cut. Maybe it was maybe too, too much the other way for them. But uh, I don't know. They were clearly trying to impress the record label with that album, and so I don't know why this one didn't make it on there. Because this would have been this is a song, honestly, that at that time high school girls would have liked. I think. I mean, if you look at the Black Crows B side list, by your side clearly has the most b-sides and i think that's because they were doing so much back and forth with the record company and trying to get something that was something 
much more commercially viable and and uh you know i i really think i don't even know i they, i it seems to me like they might have just gotten to the point where they're like all right well this we're going with this track listing you know and they maybe still had one or two more swaps they were considering you know that's the album i wish we could get a mulligan on yeah and they could go in re-record it and just swap out i think about four songs and i think it would it would change crow's fans perception of it dramatically absolutely and uh you know even if you just took it and uh remixed it kind of took some of uh uh kevin shirley's like heavy heavy glossy production off of it and you know maybe made it sound a little more organic you know that would change the tone of it as well my next track is another one technically is a as a b-side from uh by your side i mean it did appear also uh during the uh the band sessions but you know and, and two completely different feelings to it uh and that's peace anyway I love this one just because of, of Ed's work on it. And I like this particular version because the one on um, band sessions is uh, is like an organ he's playing but versus this one where it's just straight like acoustic piano. And I really like what he does on it. It's such a, and it's such a great tune, you know. I feel like the mix on uh, Lost Crows is a little flat mm. on this one. Um, I have this one on my list mm-hmm. as well. And I also have the By Your Side version. I just think it it's a smooth, man, it's a smooth tune. And it seems like it'd be a fun one to play live. Ed gets to kind of show off on it in the forefront. And uh, just, a, just a fun song. I have a great version of it when uh, Mark was in the band. It's from um, Philly, uh, Upper Darby, Philly at the, at the theater there. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so it's you know one of the times it was played. I, and I'm, I'm in a complete agreement with you. the The band session one just doesn't. It falls flat. And I think a lot of it has to do with the mix. But then on this one, it's it seems a little more fun with the uh, the piano playing by Ed at the beginning, and uh, they they were known to play it. I think I saw on Crow's Base. I may be wrong. Cause I looked up so much stuff on Crow's Base. I think they may have played it like 32 or 33 times. Yeah, they broke it out. It kind of fell into that gray area when Mark came back and they started busting out songs like from the from the band era and stuff like that. You know, it could be considered one of those tunes. It could be considered, you know, a by your side thing. But you know, any way you got it, it was good to get it. But yeah, I I, I always liked it. And you know, they got some phenomenal 
trademark uh, female background singers on that one too. So you right. Know. But anyway, my last uh, pick for the, for for this go round is uh, apparently a tune that uh, or a version of a song that caused great debate between uh, Chris and Rich Robinson as to which one they were going to use on the album, and ultimately Chris won out. Um, but uh, this is the the rich favorite version, which is the slow version of Sting Me. I don't know for certain, but I feel like this this could be a, a divisive one amongst fans. I think it is. I'm not a fan of it, and I'll tell you why. Had I heard it first, I probably would have been more of a fan of it. But it is so slow, painfully slow, that to me it just never it never it never gets off the ground for me. Um, yeah, it's, uh, that's one of those ones we'll just have to agree to disagree on. That's cool because I could totally get it. Actually, I'll be perfectly honest. The first, not the first, for a long time, I would hear it and I would try to go back to it and I couldn't get into it. And uh, I'm sure you've had this experience before you know, with a varied number of bands. Something all of a sudden will just click with you. And then, it, you know, so that's what happened with that with me. And now I can't, you know, I, I always go back to that. I think it's great. It's just, it's just really slow. Have they ever played the slow version? They, they might have. You know, that's a good, that's a good question. I, I don't I don't remember ever hearing it, but you know, if somebody out there is listening, let us know. Um, yeah. And uh, maybe somebody's we'll, somebody's yelling at their uh, speakers right now. Yeah, of course they played it. You know? <laughs> maybe we'll send you an Amazon gift card or something. Hit us up on Twitter or Facebook and tell us where we're wrong. Absolutely, those are my picks. But uh, what, what's uh, what's your list shaping up to look like? All right, so I didn't do this on purpose, but four of mine came from the by your side sessions. And like I said, I, I didn't pick stuff like Life Vest or Feathers or stuff like that, which are all amazing songs. I kind of went with some that I thought were truly unreleased and or or an actual B side. So my first one, uh, this is a, this is a go to for me from the By Your Side sessions. It's grows grow a rose, grows a rose. <laughs>
All right, now, we'll find out in the book. The rumor is, I, th- I don't think it's rumor, I think it's fact. This is what Gorman wanted to be the lead single on By Your Side. And I think it would have been a great song for for that. Uh, it just has a has a fun uh, a fun feel to it. Uh, Magpie played it, I think, like eight or nine times, uh, based on what I saw. Uh, Crow's bass, and this is just one of the ones I go. How does this? How does this not get on the album and go tell the congregation does and Diamond Ring? The thought process on that is what I would like to know. How does that happen? Or even go faster, like cut go faster, and I keep picking on go faster, uh, <laughs> and put grows a rose right there, and take you know go tell the congregation and diamond ring off, and you have a vastly different album. You know, I I definitely am inclined to agree with you. I like grows a rose, and that's another one that took me a bit to for it to 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 click with me properly. You know, I definitely agree with uh, some of the choices you made to remove, you keep uh, you keep tossing. Go tell the congregation in there. So when we get to the the episode where we finally talk about by your side, we're going to have a little disagreement <laughs> on that one. But um, well, and, and this it's, one, a, it's a great tune. And this is a this is a unique one. The backing vocals don't. I don't can't remember them having backing vocals that sound like this. Um, so yeah, it's just uh, it's um, an enigma to me as to why that didn't make it on there. Uh, I also had you don't have to go, and I had it from my notes here that did come. Parts of it's lifted from pastoral. Uh, just a great song all the way around. Uh, I did have Peace Anyway. I had the By Your Side session. Uh, we agree on that. Now, here's one taking it back old school from Shake Your Moneymaker. One of my favorite live songs to hear on play, Waiting Guilty. been a fan but of the live version and i i until i saw your list uh you know a few days back i hadn't really listened to the studio one you know all that much and i uh i broke it out and, and you know burned it to a disc it's, you know for when i was in the car and i listened to it a bunch of times and it really is you know as a studio version it, 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 it it's it's great you know it's a great tune and, and and uh i almost wish it had been on the record well since i'm the producer here i can tell you which one you could scratch Strutting Blues, because I hear Chris hates that song anyway. Yeah, yeah, that makes uh, two of us. <laughs> strut, take Strutting Blues off and put uh, Waiting Guilty on there, and you make a, a a great album just a little bit better. Um, man, live this thing's just awesome. They usually do that kind of slow built, slow plotting intro, and then all of a sudden they kick into it full bore. Uh, man, and it's just one that always just makes me feel happy. And I was lucky enough to get to see it one time. And I just remember, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm finally getting to see Waiting Guilty. Uh, but uh, uh, one that um, when Mark came back, saw it get played a little more often. And they played it some with Luther. But um, yeah, another one that I would have liked to have had on an album and take Strut and Blues off and you've got a, you've got a better album. And then my last one, this is the one I think I'm going to get pounced on for. 
Uh, <laughs> from the By Your Side sessions, It Must Be Over. If people don't like it, I understand why they don't like it. But for me, I've always enjoyed it. And when we were going back and forth about what to do this episode on, I found myself on YouTube, finding it on YouTube, and just kind of always going back to it. And I thought to myself, hmm, that one would definitely be better than Diamond Ring. And so take Diamond Ring off of By Your Side and put in It Must Be Over. Uh, completely different sounding song than a lot of the other songs they've ever done and maybe that's why it didn't make the album to be perfectly honest with you every time somebody mentions uh, it must be over i think in my head that it's on the album that's how that's how much i guess I, I i like it to be on the album i always confuse that as an album track but uh i like that you know and definitely you know uh because you've brought this one up a couple of times too that the diamond ring would be the first one and the odd thing is that's the track they held the album back for the album was supposed to be released, I believe, at the tail end of 98, and they held it to like January of 99 to swap out for Diamond Ring. I never got that. I, I find that song very simplistic in not a good way. You know, like the. What did, I, they, just, what did they swap out? I don't know what came off, and uh, I'm afraid to tell you because it might be uh, you know, <laughs> one of your picks, and then you'd be really mad. You would almost <laughs> think it's Grows a Rose if Gorman was fighting that hard for it. It might have been, you know what, I'll have to go, because I was in an article somewhere that I read, you know, I'll have to find that and, uh, you know, definitively say, but yeah, definitely, and that I never got that, that song just doesn't, it's just not them, you know, that's that's what it boils down to, you know? No, it was way, way, the back end of that album, other than Virtue and Vice, and I know you're a big fan of Go Tell the Congregation, so I'll, I'll defer to you on that one. But the back end of that album is just does not sound like them. I think one that would would have been better suited to a B side would have been uh, "Then She Said My Name." Not a bad track. I get "Then She Said My Name" confused a lot of times with "Just Say You're Sorry." They kind of have the same tempo and and sound to them, mm. and a little bit of you know the way they're upbeat. But yeah, and you're talking about forgetting stuffs on the album. I always forget that "Heavy" is on that album. I forgot about that too. Yeah, that's and, uh, and for those wondering, not, we 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 are in the process of putting together a by your side uh, episode at some point. Uh, so, yes, I and, did say I did say to David the other day. I said I think I'm ready to uh, tackle that one and take whatever abuse we're going to get on that. Hey, we we didn't we didn't get too much abuse for line. So yeah, but by your side is it gets much more heat. So <laughs> hey, and 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 um, to let everybody know out there, I know people have been like, why don't you do a Morka or Three Snakes or moneymaker or whatever um our plan is to kind of let the podcast grow a little bit more and maybe when we do those classic albums 
maybe have somebody that had something to do with the albums come on uh wink wink so uh that that's kind of what we want to do but we got to grow our our numbers a little bit more before we can do that so uh plus it to me it's fun debating these that are kind of divisive because i mean it it does elicit a reaction one way or the other yeah i mean you're not gonna get uh oh i can't stand the uh, southern harmony i mean i mean you, you'll have your your odd person that truly says that and i don't mean odd as in strange i mean just you know um not plentiful in numbers uh <laughs> you know with that opinion but uh we're kind of yeah like David said, we're kind of just reserving those for later when we can have a chat with somebody that might bring a different perspective to it. Because, you know, more so with those records, uh, David and I are just going to agree a lot about them. So, you know, it's, uh, you know, and and also like Three Snakes um, as a bit of a backstory um, on David's other podcast, Digital Killed the Radio Star. That's where we first got together was an episode that dealt with three snakes so we've we've had that conversation a little more recently so we got to put some time in between until we have the next one you know right maybe maybe by the time uh we do that one i'll come around and say evil eyes a good song i don't think it'll ever happen i don't think it will either i I think i think you're gonna get me with uh go tell congregation before that listen man it's a good tune hey so so what do you think are some of the really bad b-sides i know we've thrown sleepy heads out there that's the main one that comes to mind for me yeah, I, I can get that. I'm gonna like preface saying this though by, I'm one of those people, and you know, cause a lot of people, you know, especially mesh this board internet, you know, they accuse you of just you know blindly liking everything the band does because you like the band so much. But really, I have never heard a Black Crow song where I'm like, that is terrible. I can never listen to that again. I always find some kind of merit in most of their music. You know, some things you go to time and time again and some are just kind of on the back you hear it once in a while but well even um, even in my opinion their bad stuff is better than 95 percent of other people's stuff exactly but um you know off the top of my head i i've never been a tremendous fan of uh love is now from uh the lions uh, sessions uh you know it's not necessarily a bad track it just never really caught me the right way it's kind of a little more on the duller side to me. There's nothing too exciting going on there. But, you know, a lot of people cite that as something they would have liked to have seen on the record. So, you know. Yeah, you get, a, you get a lot of people talking about that one. And I, I, I'm in agreement with you. It's just kind of so-so. One that one that I've heard that I always forget about because I don't know. I don't think it's ever been played. That never really has done anything for me. And I think it was from the Southern Harmony Sessions. 99 Pounds? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a cover. Oh, is it? Uh, I didn't know it was a cover. Yeah, I, I, the original artist uh, escapes me. It was someone that was, uh, you know, a tad bit more obscure. But yeah, it never really. And a lot of people, uh, you know, I've seen say, "Oh, I love that song. I think that's great." It, it never really resonated with me too much. And you know, it's a cover, so you really can't say, "Oh, well, that was a dud for them," because they just picked some. Oh, just popped right into my head. Speaking of covers, that then when the night comes falling from the sky. Uh, by and, that, your side. and that was yeah from the that was the Bob Dylan song right? Yeah, I never, I never cared much for their their cover of it. And that's the um, one where the the girls are are featured pretty prominently in the mix, aren't they? Yeah, it's just, and I didn't I didn't care for it much as a Dylan tune either. You know, it's not their version so much as the song itself, really for me. Yeah, another one that I forget about that I actually really like is "Don't Wake Me" from. Um, the moneymaker sessions sessions and when i saw magpie 
Rich goes, I haven't played this song in 25 years. And he breaks, breaks right into Don't Wake Me. And it would have fit in on Moneymaker. I don't think it would have fit in on any other albums. Uh, it was definitely of that uh, of that era for them. Uh, and something that maybe doesn't necessarily translate. I think it's cool that Rich decided to bust that out uh, in the Magpie. They did that with a couple of things. You know, they they busted out a song called Miserable, which was just something they played live in the early days. And I I was lucky enough to catch that live with the Magpie. And I said, that's unbelievable that I just heard that in concert. Right. Uh, you know, <laughs> right. So, uh, but uh, you know, I, this you know, like you know, and again. I am not out to hurt anybody's feelings here because these things are totally subjective. But um, you know, if I had to um, pick one more one more track that never it was a B side that never really buzzed me all that much, uh, it would be uh, um, "Here Comes Daylight" from the War uh, War Paint sessions. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, they weren't really doing B sides at that point, but that was a bonus. But still, you know, falls kind of in the right in the realm. Um, and you know, conversely, I did like their cover of uh, Hole in Your Soul, which was the other uh, B-side bonus track from that period. I don't know how you felt about that, but I, I, I always enjoyed that. Yeah, by the time Warpaint came around, uh, B-sides weren't even a thing. Uh, everybody started just calling it the bonus the bonus tracks. You know, you put out an album, and then six months later, you put out a bonus version. Yeah, I mean, it seems like a way of double-dipping almost. But, you know, that's the... I mean... With uh, CDs and such uh, going by the wayside, uh, CD singles are, you know, there's no market for that. So Well, you know, and sometimes they would do like iTunes exclusives. So like, yes. and, and what they would do is you would have to buy the whole album to get that one bonus song. And then like Best Buy may have their own version with a bonus song. Um, I wound up on a couple of albums from different bands wind up having to get two or three copies to get all the songs. So, I mean, that was a, kind yeah. of a bad way to treat the fans, but it worked because the hook was in my mouth and I, I spent all that money on it. Well, they did that with uh, Freak and Roll, which they released a, uh, uh, not necessarily a special version of the album, but if you bought it at um, Walmart, if I'm not mistaken, it came with a code to download the, the version of Love and Cup that was cut out of it. Which is a great so, version. Yeah, so I had to do that, and the uh, you know the the uh, the nerd in me, I uh, took that and edited it into the album and made my own like version of it where it should have been in the track list, you know. You really missed your calling. You should have been like a sound editor or something. I did. I did. You know? <laughs> I mean, because you're always uh, for Ian and I talk a lot of times during the week, and he'll be like, "Oh, well, I took that album and I mixed it with this, and I made my own version of the album, and um, that's kind of what I got." I, I did that with on my other podcast with um, the Guns N' Roses album Chinese Democracy, mm. and uh, uh, Steve uh, Steve Tomer, yeah, Steve Tomer. He's a loyal listener to our podcast uh, to this one as well. He's a huge CRB guy, and he <laughs> he told me that he went out and took my suggestion and made a Chinese Democracy cut, and I forgot what the name he called it. It was something with my name in it though. It was all the songs I say you should cut out of it, but. I do that too. Like I'll, I'll get on Spotify and take a song out that I don't like and, and listen to it that way. And uh, which of the crows, I don't have to do that too often, uh, except for that, uh, go tell the congregation and diamond ring. Uh, you stop bringing up that go tell the congregation. <laughs> David. All right. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. The, well, the by your side one's going to be a lot of fun, uh, yeah. to do. You know what? 
Just uh, just for that, I'm going to tell you now one of the other B-sides that I kind of like, and it's going to upset you. What's so, that? <laughs> it's the uh, Crowology B-side, which is uh, Boomer's Story. I cannot stand that song. <laughs> I, and I don't know how many times when Luther Dickinson was in that band, I would go see them, and somehow Boomer's Story was the encore. And I was like... <laughs> I was like, I could have, I could have gotten in the car and beaten the crowd. You know, I don't know if they did that so much with him because that's a Rock Cooter song, and I think yes. his dad produced Rock Cooter. Is that so, right? So his dad may have produced, but that went from one that you, you know, in ninety six, ninety seven, you would see it every now and then. To when Luther got in the band, it seems like I swear to you, whenever I'd go see Luther, Thick and Thin was always in it, and uh, which is a song I would leave off Moneymaker. And uh, Boomer story, and I was like, "Man, why does this keep happening to me?" But uh, it's just one of those. <laughs> you don't things. like that, man. Uh, you know, bury me down beside the railroad so I can hear the train go by. That's that's poetic, I'm just, man. I'm, it may be, but I just never have. <laughs> like that's one of those. That's one of the few, in my opinion, one of the few misses they ever had uh, with covers. But conversely, the other B side for Coology uh, was Willin', and that, you got to admit great. that's a winner. Oh yeah, have you ever yeah. heard? You ever heard the Tom Petty version of that? No, I didn't know what uh, Tom Petty covered that. Yeah, that's, if you go, uh, if you go on Spotify, it's on like one of the EPs, or it's a live version, like an EP. It is, it is. Oh, of course, everything that man touched was was gold. Uh, it is so good. Um, that's got kind of Mike Campbell's playing written all over it. But yeah, oh, no kidding. I got to find that. I got to seek that out. That's a that's a, a song that turned me on to Little Feet. I think yeah, my, I think I mean, the only thing I knew about Little Feet before that was Dixie Chicken, and um, you know went from that to Fat Man in the Bathtub, which Magpie played a lot, especially that first that first go round, and you know Oh Atlanta and Skin It Back and Spanish Moon. And it's, it's funny I got into Little Feet the same way from listening to the Crows do Willin, you know, years prior to uh, you know it showing up on Crowology, and. By getting into Little Feet, I really enjoyed Fat Man in the Bathtub. So then, when it, the the Magpie busted it, I said, "Oh, this is perfect." You which know, so, which uh, version of Willin' by Little Feet do you enjoy? Um, the one that's on uh, Sail and Shoes. Right, that's the one. I'll, it's the one that's a little bit more melodic. The first one is more almost like yes. spoken word. Yeah, and that, which is kind of cool too. But uh, you know, I think the one the crows stick to more is the 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 Sail and Shoes type, where it's more sung as opposed right. to spoken more melodic uh, yeah you do i don't i was reading about them one time jimmy page said they're his favorite american band well then there's a ringing endorsement right right hey speaking of, of of jimmy page i hear there's a lot about jimmy page in the gorman's book yes and um speaking of gorman's book uh just to give people a little preview of what's to come we do plan on uh reading that book with uh, a feverish pace and uh, getting an episode uh, or two, depending on how long we go, uh, up for you folks. And then also, you know, we'll have to address the Page Crows uh, collaboration for an episode as well. So we got those two things to look forward to. Yeah, and our plan with the Gorman book is we're not going to talk about it, I don't think, beforehand. We're not going to plan on anything. We're just going to turn the microphones on and we're just going like kind of like an instant reaction um, to it. So... That's our uh, first installment of uh, hopefully many of us discussing uh, B-sides and unreleased material here and uh, um, kind of to uh, hammer things home and uh, 
we always do a uh, closeout song for each episode. And since we've mentioned it a few times, and since it happens to be Mr. Gorman's uh, personal favorite from that era, we're going to take you out with uh, Grows a Rose, a B-side from the uh, By Your Side sessions. So uh, thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll see you next time. Stay tall. It's a State of America bonus track.